This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another show. I don't know what's going on with my streaming situation, but my intro plays on my screen for a good 10 seconds. So you may have just watched me sit and stare at you for a good couple of seconds. If I did, I apologize. I have absolutely no control over that because I don't know when the video finishes. I need to sort this out. But I hope you're good. I hope you're well and uh, enjoying your weekend, of course. Um, which is just, no, it's not just started, it's Sunday, isn't it? I, look, compl- I completely lose track of days with working weekends, so I have absolutely no concept of whenever any day is at the moment, so I hope you're enjoying your weekend. Of course, it is match day. Arsenal do play their final game of the season at 4pm against Crystal, no, not Crystal Palace, it's just who we've beaten against Brighton um, in the game which could basically determine whether or not we sit in the UEFA Conference League next season or if we have no European football next season. Take your pick. I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> probably probably being in the Conference League is worse. But there is the option, or rather the, the ability of the club to finish above Spurs, which is also something that is very important to a lot of fans. I know it's not important to some people. It's important to me, uh, and I'm sure it's important to a lot of other people. Uh, in fact, it's so important to me that one of the lads in our group chat who is a Spurs fan has threatened to leave the chat should Arsenal finish above Spurs. Um, so looking forward to that one. That could be quite fun. Um, But anyway, we'll move on to obviously talking about what we're here for today, which is, of course, transfer news. This is our Arsenal Daily Transfer Show every single day at 8am. And there's a few stories. It's not been that loud uh, recently, which is not surprising at all because we're at the end of the season. Final games are tomorrow. All the focus has been on that. And so there's not been much movement in the transfer market. There has been a new rumour that's cropped up, which I'm not sure if I put too much credit in, but we'll discuss that. But the first thing that I want to talk about with someone who's on loan and is probably going to leave this summer, and that is Lucas Torreira, who won uh, La Liga yesterday with uh, Atletico Madrid. Of course, he has not played a lot of football. He spent most of the time on loan uh, on the bench, 
but he has won the league with them. He did contribute in his own way. And not only that, did Thomas Partey also receive a medal that he qualified for as well. So congratulations to him, despite never playing beyond October uh, for them. But he also earned a medal uh, for winning the title with them, as did Lucas Torreira. So even in a season where Thomas Partey signs for Arsenal and we win nothing, he still has more trophies than Tottenham Hotspur. That in itself is brilliant. So, as does Lucas Torreira, of course, as well. But regarding the little Uruguayan, we're expecting him probably to move on this summer. Now that his season is over and he will return to Arsenal, that will certainly pick up pace. That is, We are expecting that to move forward. So that is certainly something that we're going to be looking at. Everyone in the chat box, good morning. Glad to have you in here. I can see so many of you already uh, putting in your messages. I'm seeing as many of them as I can. I'm trying to highlight as many as I can before I move on. There's lots of things we're going to talk about in a bit good morning guys good morning good morning good morning um i hope you're all good i'm glad that you're making this part of your daily routine at this point and of course those that are listening in the western part of the world of course you are sitting up at 3 a.m to watch this you're mental but i appreciate that some of you actually do which is mad and we always appreciate you telling us where you're listening from so please do let us know Regarding, of course, Lucas Torreira, though, we can expect the little Uruguayan to move on very, very soon. And we're going to need to replace some of our midfielders. And one of the midfielders that is a rather new link, but isn't so new to Arsenal fans, is this guy. <laughs> um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has been linked with a move back to Arsenal for effectively um, £20 million, which would make us a profit of between 15 and £20 million if we were to get this done. Now, I am going to throw my kind of hat in the ring immediately and just say, I am not interested in this deal. Um, we managed to get a really good fee for a guy that has been plagued by serious injuries ever since he's gone there. Of course, he's gone there. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League. So you can't say from his perspective, the, the move was not an incorrect one. It certainly was the right one. Um, but the fact that Arsenal are being linked with a £20 million move to bring Oxlade-Chamberlain back, it's just, it's just no. It's not about being snobby. It's not about turning your nose up a player that might be able to help us. I just don't think he has a place in Arsenal's team right now. And I think that his injury record is just something that turns me off it completely. It's not a Johnny Evans situation again. It's someone who I just think is is not going to add anything too much to us. He's a squad player for Liverpool. I think he would come back and be that for Arsenal. And it's £20 million that could be spent elsewhere. Uh, and of course, he absolutely jumped at the chance to leave Arsenal, which in itself is is never going to go down with the fan base. If you remember that game against Liverpool, uh, right before he left, it wasn't the best of performances and it did feel a little bit like it was, not want to say on purpose, but certainly affected by the fact that he was going to be leaving for Liverpool very, very soon. Um, not interested in any way. And the chat box seems to agree as well. So Hill says no. JD says no thanks. Stephen says hell no. Fane says ha ha hell no. <laughs> uh, Susie says god moaning. God god moaning. Do you mean good morning? <laughs> god might be moaning about this transfer, but good morning anyway. Uh, Liv Fit says hell no. James says he jumped to leave us. No thanks. Um, <laughs> there's some really good messages coming in. Um, Tim O'Brien says, seldom works when a player returns, so let's not seldom. Wow, we're getting the high-level vocab in the chat this morning. Uh, Raheem says, but he didn't leave for money. He had a standing offer 
uh, from Chelsea. He did have an offer, offer from Chelsea and Liverpool. And he left. I'm not saying he left for money, but he did just leave Arsenal in, in kind of a really... It was a little bit contentious in the way that he did leave. Uh, Abby says, no, thanks. Alistair says, nope. Um, I'm pretty sure that we've got the overriding uh, <laughs> feeling from you guys in the chat. Um, now, the penultimate story, there's not that many today, so we will have a longer Q&A session at the end of the video. So if you do have a question, make sure you hold on to that. We will come down to answer your questions towards the end. Um, the penultimate story that we've got to cover today regards Emmy Buendia. Um, we've covered him a lot in the last few days or so. Uh, there's no extra information regarding Arsenal's pursuit of him. They are still very interested. He's at the top of their transfer list for that position. They want to bring him in. They will just start discussions with him, if not already, as soon as the season's finished. Of course, Norwich have already finished their season, so the groundwork has already started to be laid to try and get this guy into the club. But Arsenal will face competition now from Aston Villa, uh, of the side that have come forward as possible competitors for his signature. And with both teams outside of Europe and with Aston Villa known for spending quite a bit of money recently, they will not be short on cash to bring in Buendia should they want to. Um, they are looking at a £40 million bid going into Norwich, which is about a figure that we've been told that they are happy to kind of entertain. They might go for a little bit more should they know that more than one club is interested and get kind of the bidding war going on so that they get more. But uh, yeah, Aston Villa going in um, on Buendia is obviously a little bit concerning. But the other knock-on effect of that is to say that, well, if they get Buendia, what's happening to Jack Grealish? Although saying that, Jack Grealish plays on the opposite side of the pitch and it would be more Bertrand Traore. Um, and Trezeguet and players like that that are more affected by Buendia's arrival at, at uh, Aston Villa. So I wouldn't start imagining that just because Buendia is coming in, it means that Grealish is going to be going anywhere. It doesn't mean that whatsoever. So don't get your hopes up on that one, I'm afraid. Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat box. A little bit about Buendia. Uh, Manu says, enough with the Buendia talk. We just need to get him in right now. Fane says, did you have a breakdown on Buendia? I did. It's actually the featured video, I think, at the moment on the channel for new subscribers. So uh, if you go onto the video uploads, you'll be able to find the tactical breakdown on Buendia. We've done it with some expert insight and the statistical comparison to Grealish and to Emil Smith-Rowe and to Martin Erdegaard. So make sure you check that one out. Um, good morning, guys, uh, in the chat box that are just joining us. Uh, Wayne Hartley says, big demonstrations today, of course, in the last game of the season. Massive Cronky Out protest if you are going. Um, absolutely smash it, guys. Uh, not physically, of course. Stay, stay safe and well and stay in, uh, stay in all working order. Wish I could have been there. I am going to a wedding fair today. Yes, that's that's why I can't attend. Um Judge me all you like, but married life is, is yes, already starting, mate. It's always, she can hear me. Um, Stephen Andrews says, Grealish and Buendia in the same team is scary. Uh, Alistair said, we could give Norwich some of our players in part exchange if they'd want any. Of course, we did tout the idea of Nelson going uh, there with... Um, we did tout the idea of Nelson going in January, uh, and that was a bit of an issue because they just basically turned around and said, not interested uh, in, in Reese Nelson. So I don't know who we would offer in return, um, but it's it's an option if we can find a player. Maybe we could sign Oxlade-Chamberlain and send him there and swap. <laughs> Makes absolutely no sense. But you know, Arsenal, they make no sense. Um, Dewell says, would want Arsenal uh, to go for Buendia instead of Awar? I 100% agree with you. Buendia is the much better player. Um, Awar has had a pretty dreadful season. And as I've talked about many times on the channel, he's not the type of player to drag you forwards to a victory. He's someone that is a bit of a luxury player. 
And when you're playing well, Alwar can emphasize that. But Buendia is the type that really does drag his teams to their victories, or rather has done last season. And whilst he wasn't able to give the same output in the Premier League two years ago, he has stepped up his game massively. And that Premier League season is just not really comparable to how he has been in this current season. Um, Winter says, what about Basuma and Lamptey for £70 million? I'd rather we went for Buendia and Aarons for £70 million and then go and get Basuma anyway. Um, but that's what I'd rather see Arsenal do. Um, Ansgar says, not so sure Grealish is better. Buendia has a unique style and is two-footed like Santi. So it's a close one for me. Of course, if you want to find out how they do compare, do go watch our tactical breakdown comparison with those two. Let's move on to our final story and then we'll go into the Q&A session in the chat box. Steve Bold. Um, Steve Bold has been sacked by Arsenal Football Club yesterday. The news was revealed by David Ornstein of The Athletic. Um, and the fallout from this really got on my nerves. I don't know if you if you don't follow us on Twitter at the Guna Talk TV. Um, but this got on my nerves how people reacted to this news. Um, and so I thought it would be worth having a little bit of a conversation about this because it's been a really crap season. Well, you know that. It's been awful. Absolutely dreadful of a season in the first team and in for the under-23s. It's not been the best of seasons for them. They only just survived relegation. So if you're talking about performance and results, the, the sacking maybe makes sense. Um, I'm not going to sit here and turn around and say that I don't think that's it's not a incorrect decision what I do think is wrong is how people have reacted to someone who's been with the club for 30 plus years and, and frankly that is a joke um Steve Bowl has been at the club for 33 years since 1988 when he joined as a player he won the first division uh, twice in the Premier League once uh, he's won two FA Cups, one League Cup and uh, a Euro Cup Winners' Cup and a Charity Shield, I believe, as well. He then became Arsenal's under-18 coach. And this is the part where I saw people saying he's a rubbish youth coach. With the youth side, he won the title twice with the under-18s and an FA Youth Cup on top of that. He then joined Arsene Wenger to be his assistant and won three FA Cups with him as an assistant manager. He's got a decorated career at Arsenal. He is an Arsenal legend in that sense because, of course, he's won so much with us and he's been part of that George Graham team and the Arsene Wenger side as well later on. Been part of the youth setup that won titles for the under-18s, has then moved forward to be an assistant coach and helped us win three FA Cups. Yes, part of his assistant managing career was uh, peppered with a lot of criticisms about our defence, 100%, but he was still there when we won those FA Cups. And the fact that I've seen people on social media absolutely gut this guy after the service and the most of his life that he's given to Arsenal is is disgusting and people should be embarrassed about what they've done to give you a bit of an idea how difficult it is to coach under 23s because when it comes down to it's not like normal football you football it's not going right we need to go and try and win the title we need to go and push ourselves at the table you football is about development you football is about the gateway into the first team it's about trying to get players to a point in time where they can make that transition. And then you lose those players if you're the manager of the youth team. So, for example, this season, all of these seven players, Bakai Saka, Eddie Nketiah, Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, Gabriel Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe, William Saliba. William Saliba played, of course, quite a lot in the under-23s in the first half. Not particularly well, because he didn't want to be there. <laughs> Which in itself is a very difficult thing to try and, um, to try and do. But not only that, not only is the fact that you lose the best possible players that you get in the team, as soon as you get a player that's doing really well in your under-23s, they go. It's not like a transfer window. It's not like you're a club lower down the table and when you get a really good player, you lose them in the window. 
for a youth coach, as soon as you get a really good player in the team, they're gone. They're gone to the first team. Straight away, you lose them. No specific places in time it can happen at any point during the season. All of those players could be playing for the youth team right now. And not only that, but all of these players as well, which is what arguably Steve Bolt could have been using as well. I mean, Osso Tutu went to Cardiff, Zab Medley, Joseph uh, Alowu, Daniel Ballard, who of course is now in the playoff final, I think, for Blackpool. Harry Clark, Mark McGuinness has been good for Ipswich this season. Matt Smith has had a couple of loans and good, looks good. James Olalinka, Ben Sheaf, and Tyrese John Jules. All of these guys could have played for the under-23s this season. It is an incredibly, incredibly difficult job. A really difficult job. And if you lose so many of those players, this isn't me turning around saying that I don't think it was the wrong decision. What I'm saying is I think people need to understand and appreciate the situation that an under-23s coach has to deal with at times. And if you look at the average age of that under-23 squad, it's not near that 23 age, that's for sure. It's an, It's just... The abuse that Steve Bold has got on social media is an absolute joke and people should be embarrassed of themselves. If you think it was the right decision, that's absolutely fine. But I don't know, maybe keep it to yourself. <laughs> it's just, if you've got nothing nice to say, maybe don't say it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It really, really is. But yeah, I understand why we've made the decision. But to go out onto social media and start bashing someone who's been at the club for 33 years. I mean, I did think about print screening a loads of people that... I'd put them up and put them up on the screen, but I thought that'd be a little bit petty. So I've not done that. It's just, yeah, unbelievable, really, at the the front some people have. I tell you what, they wouldn't say it to that guy's face. <laughs> they would not go up to Steve Bold and tell him up to his face. That's for darn sure. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Absolutely. Anyway, that concludes all of our stories today, which means we do move on to our Q&A section. So if you have got a question about the transfer window, about anything we've talked about today, please do feel free to start throwing them into the chat box. Matt G kicks us off by saying, is there any news on his possible replacement? Absolutely nothing, Matt, at the moment. No one knows what's going to go on regarding the youth situation with the club, if they're going to bring someone in, if they're going to promote someone from the under-18s or, or so on. We don't know what's going on uh, regarding that. I'm assuming it'll be sorted out in the summer. Um, that season is over now, so they've got lots of time to, to sort that out. They've got people that can manage it in the meantime. But yeah, there's no news at the moment regarding Steve Bold's replacement. Um Stevie, uh, sorry, Tim says, Stevie, Stevie Bold. He's got no hair, but we don't care, Stevie, Stevie Bold. <laughs> Respect is due to a club legend, one of the famous back four, of course. Uh, Z says, for me, realistically, Buendia, Aarons, Basuma and Bertram for me, this transfer window. How about you? All of those players I agree with, mate. Um, I might add, a, obviously, a backup goalkeeper, maybe bring Matt Ryan in on a, on a permanent deal. Uh, and you could arguably go out and maybe sign someone who's, who's going to be like a budding talent from somewhere um and throw them into the under 23s before they can then develop there's always opportunities to try and find them it is difficult now to sign certain ages because of brexit believe it or not i actually did a whole video dedicated to how brexit will affect arsenal um it was quite a while ago i think it was back in january but if you want to find out how brexit actually affected arsenal's transfer window we did a whole video on that if you type in the guna talk and brexit on google on youtube it should come up so make sure you go and check that one out if you want to get educated on what this all means did a whole presentation on it uh Belagia says do uh do you think here we go let me scroll up do you think uh any other team in the top six needs a buendia or a grealish type of player well let's go through them city obviously don't um they're well stacked in that area manchester united i mean you've got bruno you've got van der Beek. Rashford, uh, Greenwood, uh, James, 
They don't. You look at Chelsea, they've got loads of players in that area. Spurs, arguably, they're losing, obviously, Gareth Bale. Lamella's not very good. Mora's not very good. Um, so they they might. Um, Leicester always could do with that type of player. They're going to be losing Mark Albrighton very soon. They brought in Cengiz Under on loan. He might be going as well. I don't actually really know why Leicester aren't in for him, actually. I think it would be a pretty savvy signing from Leicester's perspective. Um, who else am I forgetting? Uh can't think. Liverpool. Um, well, it depends on Sadio Mane and that if they go, but they've got Jota, they've got Shakiri, they've got Salah, they've got Firmino, they've got all these other guys. I think they will look to bring in an attacking player or a wide player this summer, but it might even be Jaden Sancho. They are looking at him, but I think they need one of Mane or Salah to leave. Salah could also leave this summer. There's another one to keep an eye on. Um, Tono says, uh, Tom, how do you characterize Buendia as a player? Any similarities with our current or past players? It's an excellent question. I don't see any like direct comparisons with like, if you say like a Mesa Ozil, he's not like that because he skews more to the right-hand side and then drops inside. He's both footed. I don't compare him to Santi Cazula just because he's both footed because he plays in a completely more advanced role in the team. So no, it's, it's very difficult to characterize him similar to that as a previous player. He's got kind of unique in that sense. He's more of a right-sided player that does love to come inside. Um, I don't maybe I was gonna say Alex Kleb, but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure if that he was again more more of like a, a just a right or left midfielder and he played on either side. So but maybe, maybe maybe that might be the closest I can think of. Uh Sahil says, Tom, any thoughts on the board's proposal regarding fan involvement in the fan meeting? Um, well, this wasn't the board proposal. The board It wasn't the board's proposal, which I know is probably not what you're saying, but in regards to having fan representation on the board, am I in favour of that? I'd, any way that we can connect the fan base to the ownership is obviously a positive thing, but it depends how you do that. It's very difficult because you. Uh, the great example used by Andrew and Askblog is if you put four Arsenal fans in a room and ask them to make decisions about the club, it would devolve into bedlam within minutes because Arsenal fans notoriously cannot agree on too many things. That, that is just pure fact by this point. So how you elect someone to go onto the boards that hasn't got their own biased agendas and would have the interests of the majority or the, the most of the fan base or as much of the fan base as possible at heart is difficult. Um, it's And it's difficult to how you pick and who you pick from. So you don't just do a whole raffle and then if you fancy being on the board, put your name in. It would have to come from a specific group. So it's very difficult. Any way we can get more connection between the ownership and the fan base, I'm in favour of. It's just how we go about it that's very, very difficult to kind of do, basically. Uh, Ansgar, I've just missed your question. I'm really sorry. Uh, let me scroll up, see if I can find it. I can't find it. I can't, I can't find it. <laughs> uh, Manu says, uh, where do you feel like the championship ranks in the top 10 leagues? I mean, obviously, in terms of quality, you've got, in the championship, how many of those teams used to be a Premier League side? There's not many in there that weren't Premier League teams at one stage over the last fair few years because it's so difficult to get promoted straight away. I mean, this season we saw Norwich and Watford both manage it, and that's not something that is a common occurrence. It doesn't happen too often. So it's, it's a very decent league. Um, I mean, if you're going to compare a championship side to teams like other leagues, obviously it's nowhere near the other top five leagues. 
you then start going, is it better than the Portuguese league? Obviously, Benfica, Porto Sporting would would absolutely battle all of those teams. But when you go down, maybe Braga, the rest of the teams in that league, most of the championship sides, I think, would do quite well against them. The Eredivisie, obviously PSV, Ajax would, would obviously, again, I would imagine comfortably beat a lot of the championship sides. But the further you go down that league, I think a lot of the championship sides would do very well uh, against at least the bottom half, maybe even the two-thirds of the Eredivisie. Belgian league, I imagine it's higher than that, even though you've got a couple of decent sides. And then you start getting into leagues like the Austrian league, the Norwegian league, the Swedish league. They usually have like one or two outstanding teams in that league, but the rest aren't. So the championship is still a very much a competitive league. It's very difficult. You've got a lot of Premier League quality players in that league that are still, of course, playing in that level that were signed whilst those teams were in the Premier League from other Premier League clubs. I mean, you look at Bournemouth yesterday. You've got the likes of Dominic Solanke still playing there. Jefferson Lerma still playing there. It's, it's a difficult league. And you've seen teams like West Ham sign the likes of Jared Bowen, Mikel Antonio, uh, Saeed Benrahma from the championship. And look where they are this season. So <clears throat> it is not a difficult, it's not a, it's not an easy league to play in, is what I would say. Um, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Yoda Max says, if you type in the Guna Talk and Brexit, you'll find a video of me voting for Brexit. You certainly won't, Yonick. <laughs> you certainly will not. Um, Ramech, uh, Ramech says, Tom, from your point of view, uh, whom do you think can replace Steve Bold? Is a really difficult question, Ramet, because my knowledge of coaching does not really extend into youth sides. What I would say is that you need to look at coaches that have a track record of developing talent as a priority because results aren't the priority. I don't care if the youth team gets relegated. Like, it doesn't bother me. It's, it's not, it, that's not the priority of a youth team. The priority of a youth team is to develop players. It's to improve the players in the squad. It's to get them from that team to a level where they can go into the first team. That's the priority. Results are secondary, and they should be secondary anyway, because half of the good players in that team should be going out on loan and getting some senior experience or going into the first team. So results, when people talk about, oh, look at us this season in the under-23s, it's a load of rubbish. It really is a load of rubbish to, to measure that side by its results because all of the good players are either in the first team or are on loan. There's only a few that stick around or you get some of the really budding under-18s that come up to that team, like Charlie Patino, for instance. You get some that stick around, like following Balogun. You get some that you bring in for that season, like a George Lewis, like a Nikolai Moller, like a um, Salah Adin has played there as well, uh, Dinzei, uh, Akinola, all of these guys that we brought in last summer. Or you get like Joe Idaho, who's been playing in the under-23s that we got from Ajax. We did a lot of that. I explained it in the Brexit video um, why we went out and signed quite a few players from abroad because we weren't going to be able we weren't going to be able to after uh, January first. So it was important we got those deals done when we did. Um, but it's really hard to, to pick it. You just have to look at a track record of a young coach or a youth coach rather that has got a track record of developing good talent. Germany's a great place for it. France is clearly a great place for it. Austria as well. There are leagues out there like France, Germany, Austria, Holland that develop really good youth players, Portugal. So maybe we should be looking at places like that, where there's track records of developing good youth players that go into first teams. That's that's how I would tackle it. But in regarding a name, I can't give you one, I'm afraid. 
Um, Sam says, Tom, do you ever have a lion, mate? No, grafting every single day, mate. Every single day we graft, we go. Um, Nigel Worry says, uh, question, Buendia, Erdogan or Awa, who would you take? Buendia all day long, mate. It's not even a question for me at this stage. Um, JD says, how about a midfield trio of Buendia, Partey and Neuhaus? Again, I think Neuhaus and Buendia, it would be tricky to, to I don't think you'd buy both of them. Because Neuhaus would become your number 10. Wendia would become your, your right-hand side, who then skews inside. Smith-Rowe, it's difficult to then fit him into the team. And I think, whilst you could argue you put Smith-Rowe out to the left, you need a Pepe or a Saka. You need that type of pace on the wide areas if you're not going to get it from Neuhaus. Now, I know Neuhaus can play in an eight, but I think his future for me lies in more of an advanced attacking role. And if he is going to play as an eight next to Partey, I don't think that's a disciplined enough player necessarily. I think Aparte needs a Basuma next to him to really see the best out of the midfield. I don't think he's the best when he's on his own in a single role as a number six. Um, Mo Fallot says, um, what is Arsenal's DNA? Is it boring? Um, <laughs> we need a new direction. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to see an Arsenal that played great football. Um, I think DNA of Arsenal runs beyond just the way that we play, but yeah, I'd love to see us playing great football, but ultimately it's a results business, mate. And if we're winning games, we're winning games. You see the amount of people that would love Diego Simeone to come in, not a great football, trust me. And they nearly blew the league because of the football that they play. Um, but they get results and they get the job done. So you've got to really think about that. We didn't play great football throughout the rest of this season, but we're second in the form table after 23 games, not playing great, specifically great football. We got the job done in quite a few of them. We could have got more points. Maybe if we played a little bit better, a little bit more free-flowing and dominant and creating more chances, maybe. Who knows? We won't know. But I'd rather see us play some nice football. But results have got to come first. It's as simple as that. Uh, Patrick says, what about Bergkamp uh, coming in as a possible coach? Maybe. Um, of course, he used to work at Ajax in their, in their setup, but he was sacked by Ajax. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, Tim says, Tom, I'm starting a campaign for Arsenal to sign Toyn Coop miners. He's a versatile uh, defensive midfielder. Uh, he's uh, left foot, is that what you're saying? Good passing range, mobile, dead ball, free kicks, has good leadership, good skills. Uh, fair enough, Tim. Good luck with your campaign. I want to see us sign a Premier League proven player in that position, either a Basuma, a Sanderberger. They make more sense to me um, than, than going for another foreign export or import is what I would say. So I think that makes the most sense. If you want, I, I don't mind in other positions necessarily, but I think Arsenal need to change the way they're recruiting. We need to make sure we're signing players that have got Premier League experience and we're signing those types of players because that's the way that we progress with immediate impact, definitely. Um, I think that is going to be about it. So thank you all so much, guys, for tuning in. Um, we do this every single day at 8am. We do our stories and then we do a bit of a Q&A at the end like we just did there. So make sure you tune in. I'll be back uh, this afternoon straight after the game um, doing the Raw Reaction Show. So once you finish watching the match, join us over here and we'll have a big chat about the game and how we played and get your thoughts and feelings and comments in the chat box as always if you have enjoyed the show and even if you haven't please drop a like on the video please subscribe to the channel if you are new we are on our way already to 23,000 subs just after hitting 22,000 absolutely crazy scenes it's we're just yeah we're smashing it right now let's keep it up that's why we graft that's why we keep on working it's been a pleasure to speak to you guys as always and as always up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.